Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Here at Velocity, we love listening about how lives are changed through our church. So if that's you, please contact us at amen at findvelocity.org. Enjoy today's message. Well, hey, in this message, I want to get into it. We've been learning a lot, and we've been having fun, and I originally planned that this series would go three weeks, that I would wrap it up with our message last week, but I had so much more that I wanted to say to you that I knew I couldn't just leave it with last week. Yeah. I had to give you some bonus material. So what you're going to get today, this is like the deleted scenes, all right? This is the extended version, didn't make the theatrical release, and I hope you like this. And when I give this to you today, uh, it's going to seem a little strange at first. You're not going to know quite how to handle it because it's kind of like when... I, uh, I pick out my clothes in the morning, and Marissa looks at them, and she's like, that doesn't go together. I'm like, no, it does go together. You just have to know how to rock it. Well, that's what this looks like. You're going to look at it and be like, ah, I thought we were talking about thoughts in our mind. And we are. But today, I'm going to switch it just a little bit. I don't just want to talk about the thoughts in your mind. I want to talk about the words on your lips. And to get there, we're going to have to look at Joshua chapter 1. And you can find your, your Bibles there, but before we put it on the screen, I've got to set up the context for you a little bit. Because this is, this is an epic text. And I don't have time to get into all the context, but to give you a little background on this, well, this is a very significant moment in Bible history. It's a transitional moment. Up to this point, Moses has been leading the nation of Israel, but now Moses is dead, and the baton of leadership has passed to Joshua. Now, you might not know who Moses is. Moses is a really significant figure in the Bible. He's a type of Jesus, and he's known for a lot of things, but most significantly known for delivering the nation of Israel from their bondage in Egypt. They were slaves for 400 years. They've been slaves. God raises up Moses as a leader, brings them out. But even though Moses was the one who brought them out, Joshua was the one God used to bring them in. In where? Into the promised land. Into the life that God had for them. What does that mean for you and me? Well, in Scripture we see that Egypt is a type of our own life. It's a type of our life before we come to Christ. Life of sin. Scripture says we were slaves to sin. We were in bondage to sin in the same way that the Israelites were in bondage to Egypt. And I see a lot of Christians that they come out of their old life, they place their faith in Jesus, but they never fully walk into their new life, the life that God has for them, the life of all the things that God has promised to them. That's the promised land. What does that mean to you and me? Well, We've been talking about this process of sanctification. Sanctification is the process by which we become more like Christ. Why am I sharing this with you? Because I want you to understand that this is what the Christian life is. It's a journey. It's not just place your faith in Jesus, get out of hell, go to heaven. No, we're on a journey step by step. This is where we're going, Velocity Church. We're on mission and on direction to become more like Christ. And Joshua represents the process by how that happens. And if he does, then what God says to Joshua is going to be really important for you and for me. So we're going to take a look at this in Joshua chapter 1, where we're stepping into the story. God is telling Joshua 
that the job he has for him is too big for him. Literally, it is bigger than him. Because the land that he's asking Joshua to go into and lead the Israelites into is filled with giants. But God wants him to know that the giants that are before him are nothing compared to the God that is with him. And so in verse 6 is where we're going to start. You can look with me. It says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Wait, God, I thought you just said that. Why are you saying that again? Because he knows Joshua, and he knows you, and he knows that in the space between verse 6 and verse 7, lots of times those brain bugs can invade that space and get you to second-guess yourself. So there must be something to the repetition here. He says, be strong and courageous, and be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. In other words, there's going to be a lot of things vying for your attention, Josh. And I need you to focus on my word. You're going to have worry creep in. You're going to have doubt creep in. You're going to have insecurity creep in. And fear creep in. And they're going to try to attract your focus. But don't focus on those things. Focus on what I've said. Focus on my word. Why? Because you've got a job to do. And I want you to be successful in doing it. And then he gives him some instruction in verse 8. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Here it is again. Be strong and courageous. I think I'm getting the message, God. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I want to use this text to help set up our sermon for today. And I'm calling this message, Talk Back to Me. Talk Back to Me. Not only is it the title of my message, it is my instruction for you this morning. Amen. Is to talk back to me. To me. I don't know what kind of church you grew up in, but here in Velocity, we talk back in church. And the reason we do this is because church was not meant to be a monologue. Church was meant to be a dialogue. You're supposed to engage with the message. And there's a lot of ways you can engage with the message. You might not know this. You might be new to church. So I'll just kind of give you a little run through, a little training. First thing is you can take notes in church. Take notes with a pen. And paper, or you can take notes on your phone. The reason it's important to take notes is because on Monday, you're going to need this. And Monday, you're going to think, oh man, what was that thing that Pastor Justin said? I don't remember it. I forgot. And then your life is going to be ruined. <laughs> so you want to take notes in church. Second thing you can do is, uh, easy one, is just say amen. When... I say something or the preacher says something that you agree with, you say amen. What does amen mean? Amen literally means so be it. Like when you pray, God, help me on this test. God, help me to not be afraid. Amen. You're saying so be it. So when I say something that's good and it sits in your heart, 
Like, yeah, amen. So be, I want, I'm agreeing with that. I want that in my life. Let's try that. You catch not. Here's a like a little bit elevated. Okay, but this one is you can put your hands together and clap. And the reason that I gotta set this up because you're not clapping for me. All right, this is not a performance, and I don't need your applause. What you're doing is when you put your hands together, you're saying God is speaking to me, and He is moving in my life so much I can't contain it. I have to respond to this. Gotta put some action to it. So you put your hands together. So let's just go ahead and try that. Pretend I say something amazing. Guys, catch on. We're going to have fun. Talk back to me. All right, let's pray and we'll get into God's word. God, we thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come into your presence, to learn, to grow. God, help me communicate your truth. I believe you will. And everybody who agrees with that can say in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, how many of you talk to yourself? Can you just raise your hand? Let me know who I'm talking to. You. Weirdos. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you raise it? Let me see. Do you talk to yourself? Yeah, you're my people. Uh, that's me. I talk to myself all the time, don't need to be embarrassed about it. In fact, I read a study that said people who talk to themselves are more intelligent than those who don't. You missed out on an opportunity to be intelligent. Uh, I don't know if it's true, it could have been bogus, but if it's good, receive it. But I do, I talk to myself and, and uh, I need to talk just to, you know, get up in front of you. I'm looking in the mirror and telling myself I look good. It gives me the confidence to get out here and for you. Because, like, when I look at some of your faces, man, I wouldn't want to be out here. But that's why I got to talk to myself. And uh, I don't know if this is genetic or if it's a learned behavior, but I've noticed that my children possess this trait as well. They talk to themselves. All of my kids do this, but none of my kids do this more than my youngest, my daughter, Pippa. It's honestly a little bit concerning to me. Because, um, I mean, this girl, she will walk around with her hands on her hips, looking in the mirror, saying, mm, you look good. I like your hair today. I like your makeup. I like your lipstick. I think that she is her own best friend. It is really concerning. In fact, just so you didn't think I was making this up, I brought a video to show you. This is true. We'll go and see this. Telling us what we can't do, 
telling us who we can't be, telling us why we can't succeed. And the danger of that, it's the first thing I want you to get, is that we will live out what we listen to. Yeah. We live out what we listen to. This is why I refuse to let any of my kids talk to me about a dog. It's not gonna happen. I have outlasted my three boys. I am not about to let Pippa talk me into it, even though she is my favorite. It's not gonna happen. I'm just kidding. Reese and Grant, you're my favorite. Both of them, equal, favorite, favorite. I think like God knew this when he was talking to Joshua. It's like he knew that, hey, we're going to live out what we listen to. That's why in the span of 30 seconds, he tells him three times, be strong and yeah. courageous. Yeah. You're just going to need to be reminded of this. Because even though he said he'd be with them, well, I'll put it this way. God's presence is guaranteed, but his promises are optional. That's good. That's good. God will be with you wherever you go. But where you go and how far you go is completely up to you. And see, God had a plan for Joshua. He had a purpose he wanted him to accomplish. And you need to know God has a plan and a purpose for you. Yeah, right? right? He, he, he's, his plans for you are much bigger than just figuring out what your career is supposed to be. Yeah. His plans for you are much bigger than buying that big house. His plans for you are much bigger than putting money in your 401k. Now, I'm not down on any of that. I hope you do all of that. Get a great career, make lots of money, buy a big house, put money in your 401k, do all of that. But his plans for you are not that. They're so much bigger. God wants you to be about what he has always been about. And what God has always been about is building his kingdom yeah. in the earth. He, he does it through the church. God wants you to be about what Jesus is about. Jesus said, I am building my church. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. So if you want to become more like Christ, it's not just thinking like he thinks. It's also valuing what he values. I got to set that up for you because when we talk about God's plan and God's purposes for your life, and I try and help you see yourself in the text, which I want you to do, I don't want to lower it to the level that you miss the point and lose the perspective and miss out on the magnitude of this moment. Because, like, Josh leading the nation of Israel into the promised land, this is so much bigger than, like, you try to ask a girl on a date. Let's be strong and courageous. You can do it, buddy. No. This is, this is big time. You, you got to remember, I mean, they had a slave mentality. For 40 years, they've been wandering in the desert. And now, they're going to fight a lot of battles. Well, no wonder Joshua must have been terrified. No wonder he must have been afraid. God's telling him what he wants him to do. He says, be strong and courageous. And I almost want to run to Joshua's defense because the next thing God says is, hey, don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be discouraged. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's easy for you to say, God. I mean, how am I supposed to not be afraid? 
And if we learned anything in mysterious, it's that fearful thoughts are going to come. It's that discouraging thoughts are going to come. You don't want me to feel afraid? I've got battles lined up waiting to be fought. You don't want me to feel discouraged? I'm leading a people that has only known the wilderness into warfare. Yeah. What do you mean don't feel this? Right now, I am under-resourced and overwhelmed. But see, God didn't say, don't feel afraid. Mm -hmm. He said, don't be afraid. Yeah. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. God didn't say, don't feel discouraged. He said, don't be discouraged. There's a difference. And what God is trying to get Joshua to see is that his real enemies aren't the people that he's about to face. See, there's all these enemies on the other side. There's the Canaanites, Hittites, Jebusites. God's saying, no, Joshua, your real enemies are not the Canaanites. Your real enemies are not the Hittites. Your real enemies are not the Jebusites. Your real enemies are the parasites, the, those brain bugs. The, those negative thoughts that are telling you you can't. Those negative thoughts that are trying to bring fear. God wants Joshua to know that your real enemy is not another person. Your real enemy is not a situation. Yeah. Now, if you think that, then you are always going to be spending your time fighting battles that are not the right battles. No, what we have to realize is that our biggest enemy is our enemy. Yeah, that's good. Our biggest enemy is our enemy. God says to Joshua, hey, I know there's giants in the land. That's not your biggest enemy. No, your biggest enemy is your enemy. I'm not sure what I mean by this. Because by the time God... He's calling Joshua. Like, Joshua's been around the block. It's Jay from the block. <laughs> and even though he's in a new position, this isn't new for him completely. Like, he's served Moses. He's served under Moses. He's been a commander. He's fought some battles. He's won some wars. So it's not completely new. And you got to keep in mind, it's no wonder that this is intimidating. I mean, he's taking over for somebody whose hallmark of their leadership was miracle after miracle. How would you like to be the successor to somebody who had a footnote on their resume, part of the Red Sea? No big deal. It's nothing. No wonder he might feel a little bit intimidated. But even though he's in a new position, He's not in a new place. You see, Joshua has been here before. You might not know the story, so I'll tell you just in case. God is speaking to Joshua, but he is standing in the same place he's been 40 years earlier. Yeah. 40 years earlier, when Moses was leading the Israelites, they were on the border of the Promised Land. And before they enter in, Moses sends Joshua, along with 11 other spies, he says, I want you to go into the land. 
I want you to investigate the land before we go possess it. So Joshua goes in with these 11 other guys. And when Joshua goes in, he sees God's promise. The land is abundant. He sees plenty. He sees prosperity. He sees opportunity. But the guys who went with him, at least some of them, they didn't see it like Joshua saw it. And you can read this in Numbers chapter 13. It says, But the men who'd gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw, they are of great size. We saw the Nephilim. They're giants. And we seemed like grasshoppers. They had bugs on the brain. Except this time, the bugs didn't come as ants. They were grasshoppers. Bugs on the brain. And they were being realistic. Much of what they're saying is true. There were giants in the land. They were bigger than they were. That's true. But Moses asked his men to inspect Canaan to size up their situation, not to size up themselves. Now, the giants were not the problem. They were big, but the Israelites had a promise. Their promise was that God said, this is the land that I'm going to give you. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to help you fight them. We can do this. But it wasn't the giants that kept them from going in. It was their own perspective. Yeah. Look at this again. Yeah. It says, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Yeah. Not the eyes of the giants. In their eyes. The, the inner me is telling them this. And they talked themselves out of the very thing that God had brought them there to possess. I think we do this to ourselves all the time. Yeah. In our own lives, we are talking ourselves out of what God has promised us. In our relationships, nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody reaches out to me. Nobody wants me. In our finances, I'm always struggling. Never have enough. Barely getting by. Always living on the edge. And our opportunities, man, I don't get any breaks. Nothing ever goes my way. If something can go wrong, it will. And our ability, I can't do this. I don't have what it takes. I'm not enough. I'm never enough. But what I love about Joshua is that he wasn't afraid to talk back. See, Joshua knew something that these spies had forgotten. He remembered that God had given them a promise. Yeah. And God had said that he would be with us. Yeah. And if he's with us, and even if the whole world is against us, yeah. God is bigger than that. Yeah. So Joshua listens to what these guys have to say for a while. And then it gets to the point, he can't take it anymore. He, he gets so frustrated, he's like, I have to to speak up, and you see it in Numbers 14. He says, it says Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephna, who were among those who had explored the land, 
tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he'll lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. The truth is, you rebel against God anytime you take a position that is contrary to what he has said. And what I've been trying to help you see in this series is that many of the thoughts in our mind, the dialogue we have in our brain, is contrary to what God has said. So Joshua says, don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. God is with us. And you have to get this deep down in your soul, is that God is with me. He is with me when I feel him, and he is with me when I don't. He, he is with me when I am faithful, and he is with me when I'm faithless. He is with me when I'm whole. He is with me when I'm broken. He is with me when I'm right, and he is with me when I'm wrong. God is with me. What I'm trying to help you see is that if you really, you really want to silence yourself, because that's, that's where the enemy is. That's the problem. It's not the situation out there. It's the thoughts in here. If you want to silence yourself, you've got to learn to talk back to me, yeah. the, the inner me. Remember how the brain bugs come? I told you in one of these messages, they come through your ears. So the problem is we spend way too much time listening to ourselves and not enough time talking to ourselves. Yeah. You might think I'm crazy, but I talk to myself all the time. I look like Pippa in that mirror with my hand on my head, <laughs> telling myself, preaching to myself. Truth is, some of the best sermons I've ever preached have never been on this platform. <laughs> Some of the best sermons I've preached are the ones that I've preached to myself. Yeah. I, I've got to preach to myself just to keep going. I, I preach sermons to myself that are so good, I give myself an offering. <laughs> you you got to preach to yourself sometimes. And if you do this, yeah, people might think you're crazy. I'm saying, say it out loud. But on the flip side... If you don't do this, you really will be crazy. Amen. Because those negative thoughts are going to overtake your life. It's interesting to me. Do you really mean to speak it? Yeah, I mean speak it. Just think about this. The Bible, we call it the Word of God. Not the ideas of God. Not the thoughts of God. It's the Word of God. There's a, a power that comes from speaking God's word over your life. I didn't make this up. You've got to preach to yourself. You can look at the Psalms. It's all over the Psalms. One of my favorites, Psalm 42. I don't have it on the screen for you, but you can write this down. Psalm 42, the psalmist is writing, and he's bemoaning his life. I'm pouring out my tears, lamenting before you. God. I remember how things used to be. It's not that way anymore. 
And then something switches in verse 5. It's like he has enough of it. And in verse 5, he says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Yeah. It's like, I've had enough of this. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He's like, I'm done with this. If I just let this go on the way it wants to go, it's going to lead me to a place that I don't want to be. It is not going to lead me to a place of peace. So I've got to put myself in my place. I've got to talk back to me. So stop feeling this way. Put your hope in God. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And here's why I wanted to read to you Joshua 1.8. Because... When God speaks to Joshua, and he tells him what to do, he doesn't just tell him what to do, he tells him how to do it. Look at what he says. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night. Now, a lot of us, we read that, and we think, okay, I need to think about God's word. I need to meditate on it. I need to remember it, because that's how we think of meditate, to think about it. Over and over. And that's okay. You should think about God's word. What I'm trying to help you see in this bonus sermon today is don't just think about it. Now, how can I say that? Because in Hebrew, that word meditate, the word is hagah. Say hagah. 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 All right? Most of the time, sometimes it's translated meditate. But most of the time, it's translated to speak, to talk, to utter, or to mutter. I was trying to think how I could illustrate this, but it, it comes from this idea, Hebrew tradition, that as they'd study God's word, they would say it under their breath. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Day and night, so that you may be careful to do it, being good men, and prosperous, and good success. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Just say it under their breath. I mean, that's one way. But this is where my sermon would be a lot better if I had a teenager preach it to you. Because, I mean, I don't know how it is for you, but maybe the parents here, like, sometimes I will say something to my 13 year old son that he does not agree with, and he will hagah. <laughs> show what I mean. Hey, you need to take out the trash. Yeah, I'll show you take out the trash. <laughs> hey, you need, you need to clean your room. Yeah, we'll talk about cleaning your room. <laughs> you know what we call that in my house? Bad talk. <laughs> what I'm trying to help you see is that when those negative thoughts come into your mind, yeah. you need to hagah. Yeah. You need to begin to talk back yeah. to me. Because yeah. see, like it's not enough just to read the Bible. You have to rehearse the Bible. You, you got to talk back to me, to, to the in, inner me. Why? Because it's not enough just to hear the word of God. It's not enough 
just to listen to me preach. Why? Because my voice is not the one you're living with 24-7. You got your voice that's talking to you. And if you don't learn to talk back to me, the, the inner me, well then, what's going to happen is those thoughts begin to overtake your mind. So here's what I'm trying to get across to you. You got to keep it on your lips. You need a phrase to fight with. You, you, you need a phrase. And I, I know that's bad grammar, but this is good theology because your mind is always talking to you. It is always speaking to you about what you can do and, and what and who you should be and why you can't do something. And most of us, we need to begin to switch what we say. In fact, I want to show this to you in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews, he's concluding his letters, giving some final instructions. And he says to them, in Hebrews 13 verse 5, Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, so we say. Because God has said, based on this, so we say. How many of you know what God has said, but you say what you want to say anyway? You say what you feel anyway. Here's a question to ask yourself. If you know what God has said, why don't you switch what you say? He says, because God has said, we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. And this is the key to talking back. You know what I want to tell you? There is a right time and a right place to share what's on your mind, to share what's on your heart, to share how you feel. I'm not even saying that. Side note, it is not social media. All right? Maybe there's a time and a place to share what's on your mind. Maybe it's with a counselor. Maybe it is with your spouse. Maybe it's with your family. However, I touched on this last week. When you're sharing what's on your mind, I'm so stressed. Don't leave it there. What the writer of Hebrews is trying to show us is that because God has said something, it should change what we said. Why does this matter? It's a little science lesson for you. Because you have a part of your brain called the reticular activating system. And what this part of your brain does is when you say something, it tries to interpret what you're saying and brings all these other thoughts to your mind. So if you say, man, I'm so sad right now. It's gonna say, you know what? I know a song and we can put this song on and we can wallow in our pain and our misery. If you say, nobody likes me, it's gonna bring back all the evidence because it thinks you want that. Oh, you said nobody likes you? Let me just bring all this evidence to demonstrate that. Nobody likes you. Remember when they didn't call you? Remember when they said this to you that you didn't like? So the writer of Hebrews saying, you gotta change what you say. You need a phrase to fight with. You've been saying the wrong thing. Don't leave it there. If, instead of saying, I'm so stressed, you might say, hey, I'm feeling stressed right now, but here's what I know. 
I know that God is with me. I know he'll never leave me or forsake me. I know that he's for me. I know that he's my helper. I know that he's my source of strength. You got to switch what you say. Because your brain is wired to bring you the information that it thinks you want to see based off what you say. It's funny because in Hebrews, that same person, same book, where he says, because God has said, therefore we say. Just a little bit earlier, he says that by faith we know that God framed the world through his words. The connotation then is that we frame our world through our words. What you say determines how you see. So when those brain bugs come with thoughts that say, I can't do this, I'm not telling you just to correct that thought. I'm telling you to talk back to it with your words. Hagar, you can't do this. I can't do this. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I can't do this. You know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Aren't you worried about those bills? Man, how are you going to pay for that? You know, there's some things I need to do. I need to get on a budget. I need to begin to be a good steward. But here's what I know, that God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Yeah. says he cares for the sparrows. How much more will he not care for me? Why should I worry about my life? What I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink. God's going to take care of me. Well, what about, is this going to work out the way you had planned? Not looking like it's going to go that way. Here's what I know. Scripture says that though many are the plans of a man's heart, it's only the Lord's purpose that prevails. God's purpose is going to prevail. And he watches over his word to perform. He is watching over my life to make sure his word is accomplished. Well, what about, man, are you going to go to the doctor and see that thing? You know what God's word says to me? That surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I'm not worried about the report. He's the great physician. He says, by his stripes, I am healed. you got to talk back to those brain bugs. See, God has spoken his promise to you, but you have to speak it to yourself. You don't even have to get loud. Just, oh God, just under your breath. God says, Joshua, to defeat these big giants, I'm going to give you a small instruction. You're going to have to talk back to me, the, the inner me. The thoughts that tell you you can't. The thoughts that tell you you won't. He didn't say you wouldn't feel it. He just said you have to face it. Didn't say it wouldn't come on you. Just said it doesn't have to define you. So if you've been stuck, if you've been afraid, if you've been worried about it, you don't have to stay that way anymore. And talk back to it. Because Christ is in me. I am enough. Through Christ, I am enough. 